options and interface and UX and all of that. We're live, Joe. Hey, hey, hey. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Good. Good. Just, uh, you know, gearing up for, um, I believe, another weekend coming. Yeah. Oh, shit. Did you, did you see that, like, flash crash just a second ago with BTC? It was down to, like, 2,500. You man. really you really think I'm that fucking stupid. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Although, oh. Vitalik Buterin got me. He did get you? Yeah. He got me. He got me. So Vitalik uh, uh, tweeted this article he wrote. And I was in a, I got up, I, I went to bed early last night for the first time in two years and got up at five. And I'm trying to shift my, my schedule. And so I was up at like, I was sitting in front of the computer at like 520. And I say, oh, Vitalik's got a new tweet. What's he got? And it's this article in defense of Bitcoin maximalism. And I'm like, well, you know, he started off in Bitcoin and he, you know, has a background in it. He was a, he wrote a, a Bitcoin magazine for a couple of years. And so yeah, and he wanted to launch Ethereum as a Bitcoin product. And so I was like, OK, well, in defense of Bitcoin, Maximus, I'm like, keep I'm reading this article and I'm like, what the fuck is this cheesy shit? And I keep going back up to the top going is this a guest post by somebody? And then I went and looked at his Twitter profile again. I'm like, did Vitalik get hacked? Because I could see Vitalik like trying to make the case that, Hey, we need Bitcoin maximalists in this world, but it's like all this shit in here, making fun of him and uh, meeting with the evil world leaders that all the Bitcoiners make fun of him for and bust his chops about. And I'm reading this whole fucking thing. And I'm like, there's like, like some serious sounding stuff in it. His normal, typical essays. It's like, I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't, I don't get it. And and then we get to the stuff about covenants and we get to this stuff, but he brings up some actual, you know, potential problems that can happen with Ethereum and other chains, et cetera. And, blah, blah, blah. and then he throws in this shit about seed oils <laughs> being a Bitcoiner crusade. I'm like, uh, uh, pushed it a little too far on that one. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> April Fools. Now I remember what day it is. So it was a good one. It was actually pretty good. It was it 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 was weak for him and didn't make sense in places. And I was like, what what the fuck? This is not, you know, Vitalik is not normally this piss poor on backing up his points. I don't understand what the fuck's going on. And then I I get all the way through it and I'm like, okay, fucking April Fools. So I mean, I was all ready to reply to him. I was gonna write a response. And then I, yeah, you were. I was like, oh. God, yeah, okay, he's joking. Whatever. You should write a, a rant response <laughs> in in line with his layer of yeah double entendre and sarcasm and all. That, that. would be hilarious, but I have zero fucking time for that. So, yeah, but he, anyway, like in, Inception level, man. You go yeah, like six layers down. Yeah, yeah. That, he was. It was good. I have to admit, it was pretty good. Because, but I, I was cynical all the way through. But I'm thinking, and then you think, well, what the fuck would out? Why would Vitalik bother with April Fools, right? But evidently, he did. Anyway, it's, it's funny. It's good. Somebody so, did. Um, His cousin Craig. Craig Wright. <laughs> the original inventor. <laughs> exactly. Of the fraud. <laughs> Um, the original Napster. Exactly. So um, I got this. Uh, I, I love the guys at DeFi Safety. And sometimes they go off on people who they are worried about. But this one was a little bit 
like I was like, holy shit. So BuySwap is evidently five hundred million dollar. Uh, let's see, five hundred million TVL. Okay. I don't know if it's volume or TVL. Anyway, five hundred million dollars somehow involved, and DeFi Safety gave him an eleven score out of a hundred, and I'm like. Whoa, what the fuck? So, like, this is a pretty significant exchange on the Binance blockchain. Um, and he, here's the problem. Like, I mean, a lot of what DeFi safety reviews about these protocols is transparency, documentation, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I'm just, I'm a little flabbergasted by this shit. And I wouldn't put my money near this protocol for, you know, anything. Uh, well, then put up, put up our show wallet address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um so the first thing is is they do not display in anywhere in their documentation on their website or anything their smart contract addresses so a user has to go through bsc scan in order to find the smart contracts addresses in which they make the point 95 percent of users don't even know how to do that right? right um but the fact that you don't publish them is just it's just stupid, right? It's it's even if it's not nefarious, the fact that they won't even publish them to me says, you know, arrogance, idiots, whatever it is, I don't want to do business with you. That's that's number one. And then turns out that their CERTIC an initial audit had numerous medium level issues in it and BuySwap acknowledged them and never bothered to fix them. And two of those related to the centralization of privileges around their MasterChef contract, which MasterChef controls the funds in the contract and also, I believe, controls what gets deployed to the exchange, right, to the DEX. Um, they don't document any of their admin privileges. Um, and they seem to only, what does it say? BuySwap also seems to be the only party capable of proposing changes to the protocol, further demonstrating a certain centralization of power. Um, so, you know, bottom line is I had I had never dealt with or looked at BuySwap before, but, you know, this is the kind of shit that it's like, what, we need a way, we need a way for people to see like DeFi safety grades and other grades and audit reports when they hit a site, right? We, we need a plugin that says, okay, Here's the score of this site, and here's why it's a shit site when you're browsing it. So I'm going to tell the guys. I know the guys at DeFi Safety because they were one of the first interviews I did. Uh, father and son team, good guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to them and tell them to create a browser extension so that like as a user hits a DeFi site, if it's got you know you can set parameters. So if it's lower than a 70 score, it's going to pop up and tell you, or it just pops up on every DeFi site and tells you if they've scored it before. So anyway. Um, just kind of like astounding, but also we have a lot of naive retail traders on on Binance Smart Chain or what's it called now? Is it called Binance Chain now? I think it's called Binance Chain now. Um, that aren't going to check for any of this, right? They just fucking ape into shit. So, um, Coin, Coinbase, yeah, it's like Coinbase, isn't it? Yeah, let's send them money. What? No, I said they just ape in like it's it's like Coinbase. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah oh, That's yeah. just like another Coinbase. Yeah, exactly. Money. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, found this site, and this is really cool. So I had been looking at Compass Mining the other day. You and I were talking about it on the show where we were talking about yeah. maybe doing something where you're Alchemix lending, staking, buying, taking what you earn, putting it back in, you know, swapping it from ethereum bitcoin to ethereum and then staking um this is one that's launching this summer 
that actually is using all, all renewable green energy for the mining rigs. Um, so I think this one has a shit ton of potential. Um, full, nu full nuclear? Uh, I don't believe they have a pocket nuclear plant. I think that they are, uh, they don't, uh, let me see. I didn't actually check and see that. what they're using. Uh, let's see. I mean, it would think, well, okay. So basically it's heating up. It just says their steam. facilities are powered by renewable energy. There were some cool ones like that out in Colorado I saw a few years ago. They're doing in the mines down there with renewable. Yeah. It's really interesting stuff. That guy, a Pomp's friend, uh, owns a um, mining company that uh, recycles uh, old tires and uses the energy from that to, uh, to mine Bitcoin. So that's interesting. Anyway, I'm going to keep an eye on this one. I'm going to get on their wait list because uh, um, I love the idea and it's pretty cool that um, you know somebody's doing renewable only. I have to take a deeper dive into it, but uh, still interesting. Yeah. Also, think about are any of these doing the carbon furthering it with carbon offsets through like the Clima Infinity, right? Then they should. Yeah. 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 They absolutely should. Uh, like my that. buddies. My speaking of staking ETH. Uh, the, my buddies at, at uh, Alchemix are now allowing you to use uh, ST or W wrapped ST ETH and Rocket Pools ETH, our ETH. They're the coins you get when you stake with them, um, are now collateral for you to borrow on Alchemix. So you can put fifty thousand dollars worth of ETH into Lido or Rocket Pool for staking. You're earning your four point X percent, whatever it is. And then you can take that coupon that you have for that wrapped uh that rocket ETH or the ST ETH from Lido and put it into Alchemix and borrow against it. So if you had fifty grand you put in there, you take that fifty grand representation of it, you put it into uh Alchemix and you can borrow against that fifty grand and then that 50 grand gets paid back. So the beauty of it is not only are you getting an interest-free loan with no liquidation factor or anything else, you're also earning still on the ETH that you are actually using as collateral, you're still earning 4.3, 4.4, 4 4.8% from the Ethereum network staking and you're helping secure the Ethereum network. So um, that's a really cool model to me. That is very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, disclaimer, I own a good amount of Alchemix, and, uh, I, uh, but I love him. And uh, I love Scoopy Truples, the founder of that project. You can check out my interview with him on Mission DeFi. It's one of the featured interviews uh, at missiondefi.com. Um, great guy, great protocol, great team, and awesome community. So that actually, Alchemix is where I met the guys from uh, Yunt Capital. Uh, who I like a lot as well. So good attitude, good approach. Anyway, it's, these are the kind of people building in DeFi that we want uh, representing us to the rest of the world. So this, and this is a really good move. And then further to that, so uh, week before last, you and I were talking about the fact that, uh, or maybe it was earlier this week, God knows when it was. Anyway, we were talking about- Friday, the, man. Yeah, I know. We were talking about the, um, uh, there was a post uh, about the fact that uh, Lido or Lido um, controls over 50% of the staked <clears throat> Ethereum. And that's actually not the case. Um, they, 
the exchanges themselves control the majority of the staked Ethereum. Decentralized exchanges, the Binance's of the world. Well, I shouldn't say that. Okay, here's the breakdown. 48.1% of the staked Ethereum securing the network is unknown. What the if it's an entity, individuals, whatever. Um, exchanges have 29.8% of that, and others have 13.0%. Uh, so the different staking rates are listed here. And then Lido has 9.6%. So that article uh, had it wrong. Now, what the, the article said, though, was that um, it was going to potentially have control of the network. So maybe it didn't have it wrong. Maybe it was just predicting where it would end up. And that's why the argument they were making was is that we need to look at Rocket Pool. And the other argument that it was making is that Rocket Pool is decentralized. Lido is centrally controlled. So, so Rocket Pool waited to launch because they wanted to develop something that was completely decentralized. They wanted to develop something that allowed you to control your tokens, which you were staking, but still allow people to stake that didn't have 32 ETH or didn't want to build up and manage the technical infrastructure that's required to do that. That's what both both Lido and Rocket Pool offer you that opportunity. You can go earn on your Ethereum, um, staking and securing the network, um, and you don't have to understand all the technical issues, and you don't have to have 32 ETH to get started. Which is, you know, both of those are providing a great service. Nothing wrong with that. The point was is that Lido started centralized. A few people in control of the wallets, and they were gaining a lot more market share, and so people were concerned that they were going to have too much power over the network. Rocket Pool was an alternative, and that article was encouraging people to look at Rocket Pool. Well, this post from Lido is that they are also going decentralized and trustless. So, and they make the argument that they wanted to launch sooner than later to gain market share. Um, and they make the argument that the reason they did it was they wanted to prevent exchanges having all of the securing of the network. And, and I'm sure that was part of the thought process. But also at the end of the day, they are an entity or a business or a project, and they also wanted to get as much market share as they could to make more money. And that's absolutely cool. We're all good with that. So they are now going to be moving uh, over the coming months into a decentralized model like Rocket Pools. So I don't know if kind of the criticism or the things that were coming at them were a problem. They also claim that there were some technical reasons they couldn't do it um, right away. So um, anyway, and end of the story is, or end of the day, the story is, is that uh, Lido is also going uh, decentralized like Rocket Pool. I am probably going to do some staking here um, in the next week and play around a bit with Alchemix. Um, and I will probably use Rocket Pool out of the gate, but um, I may spread it out between Rocket Pool and Lido. The other thing to remember is those stake tokens that I, we were talking about earlier that you get, um, that you could put into Alchemix, there are also all kinds of yield farming and liquidity pool opportunities with those tokens. The other thing is, is you don't have to, um, you don't have to stake Ethereum to get STE or to get RE. You can do that, just buy it on an exchange. So if you want a piece of the action and you want to gain that value that gains from staking Ethereum without like buying Ethereum or staking your own Ethereum, you can play in this game just by buying STE and buying Rocket ETH. So uh, anyway, good news. I think this is this is great that they're doing it. I think it's smart that they're they're moving into a trustless system. They are going decentralized. Um, and look, they're 
there's a lot of big brain people behind Lidos who I'm confident they'll do a good job with it. But uh, again, not financial advice. Uh, make your own financial decisions and do your own research. But um, I, I do think this is a good place to put money. For me personally, I like the idea of staking ETH and earning on that ETH because I think ETH is going to have a lot of value increase over the next coming several months and years. Because I think that um, when the merge happens and then as the other steps to the version two upgrade happen, the value is going to increase. I think it's going to become completely deflationary. And um, when it does become completely deflationary, obviously shrinking supply means higher demand. And the more people staking to secure the network, the less Ethereum that's available, which means there are going to be even more opportunities for Ethereum to grow in value. So from my perspective, Staking the Ethereum, kind of uh, having it locked up there, gaining more Ethereum for your staking, while I think Ethereum over time will increase in value is a smart move. So that's kind of my own personal argument for my own choices, my own opinions. What do you think, Joe? I mean, I think Ethereum is a core thing of anybody's holding. I mean, I right. just unfortunately swing traded it sometimes. Yeah. How can you how can you resist? But uh, so it all depends on what day you get me as to what I think. Um, but I think anything where you're holding Ethereum long um, and you're earning yield on it is good. Yeah. Um, I think you're talking single staking. You're talking liquidity pools. You know, you just adjust with stable coins or whatever the other pair is. Um, but yeah i mean look do we think that Ethereum's going to be at 3300 in two years i mean i don't i do not i think it's significantly higher i don't know where yeah. it is i don't know is it eight thousand or 12 or nine well, or I, 30? I don't know i definitely think 10 is doable like i i definitely see 10 as as completely doable i i definitely think it will get to 10 eventually when i don't know but that's my own personal opinion right do you, I, do you think it gets there on its own or do you think it you know, piggybacks on BTC. Um, my hope is it decouples from BTC in terms of volatility and that it gets there because it becomes massively deflationary, um, because the network becomes stronger, because the fees become smaller. Um, you know, I think all of those things are going to lead to that. Um, I also think that the number of layer twos popping up are going to make kind of the core um functionality of the chain stronger it's going to make it more valuable so for me i i think there's a lot of upside to come a lot i think so i mean i'm just thinking of that versus um you know i always kind of look when i look in the rearview mirror i'm always looking at litecoin a lot and i'm thinking about what i was thinking in 2018 in general just about a lot about we talk about this a lot cardano stellar tron um litecoin we don't talk about as much but Remember, I was always like, why not Litecoin? And then I was like, why Litecoin? And, you know, there's always this discussion with Ethereum. I don't have that debate. Right. Because we know why Ethereum. Exactly. I mean, it's the foundational platform transactional ecosystem for basically all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so so to me, I, I believe that. Now, what that number is, where it ends up, I don't know. Um, in BTC, I don't know either. But... You know, I don't really remember when BTC was going around between like, you know, let's say 2018 timeframe. I don't really remember a lot of talk of like Ethereum going to a hundred grand or something. 
in, in a way that didn't sound outlandish. Yeah. Um, you know, and now we're sitting at what, what are we at? 47 or something like that? 46? Thir oh, 30, 35, 34 today. No, I'm sorry. Um, I was thinking about BTC. Oh, BTC yeah. is at, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, 45. But 100 sounds like a long way off to me right now. Right. For BTC. But 10 doesn't feel like a long way off for for ETH. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know why that is. But to me, I think if you're going to own anything, you know, if I was going to own one, I would probably own Ethereum. Right. Look, and it's, you know, there's there's usefulness for Ethereum, right? Yeah. All of BTC's value is dependent on... Um, People buying more, people not using it, you know, um, slowly increasing uh, uh, um, emissions, not increasing emissions, decreasing emissions, um, the halvings, the halvings that um, help boost it because it's going to reduce the supply that's getting emitted. I mean, all those things help Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, unless Stacks or Sovereign or DeFi uh whatever that one's called uh, unless one of those um you know secondary layers for bitcoin that provide DeFi functionality really blows up and takes off um you know bitcoin just kind of lays there you know and it look it's got its purpose i love bitcoin i i love the fact that it's a great place to store value i think its value will keep increasing but i think at some point the market is going to realize there are there are two uses here storage um and you know, use. gold Filling and it. actual functional use, yeah. right? Thinks something that can be built upon, and and there's neither nothing wrong with either uh, either component of it. I'm I absolutely love both. I love both of them, and I love what they do. So, uh, anyway, I I feel pretty good that uh, yes, I do think that uh, Ethereum ten thousand is is doable and probably won't stop there. Yeah, I think the ch challenge is for me. It's find the ones that are not. $3,400 a piece right now. Yeah. You know, well, that's, ones. that's and, phantom. Yeah. I mean, right. I like mean, that. I mean, 0. 0.41 yeah. uh, ratio TVL ratio is like, you know, what the fuck? I know. So, I only think, I would think about the layer ones and layer twos, not so much layer twos, more layer ones. Is it Ethereum out of the gas price issue? You know, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then all the merger deflation, you know, all of this coming together. Uh, you know, I don't hear I don't hear a lot of people talking about the threat that is towards Solana and Phantom and Avalanche, you know, in Binance Smart Chain or Binance right. Chain um, going forward, because I think it's going to come back to, I mean, you know, if I'm like already in there versus setting up another wallet and it's an $18 trade or a $9 trade, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But if it's like 60 or 70 bucks and I'm going to be like, wait, how do I set this up again? Yeah. You know, exactly. and trying to figure it out. So if the, the only point I'm saying is I don't know what that number is, but there is a number where people don't care about gas. Right. And when it's obfuscated or hidden into things like Olympus models and stuff like that, which if you think about it, really just came out of that gas thing you know yep. the auto compounding where it's hidden in there the gas price is hidden in the compounding um you know now how does the market correct back i guess is what i'm getting at right does and that would tell me that ethereum price goes up i totally you know? agree 
So, so here, here's um, DeFi Edge. Who, this guy's great. I, if you don't follow him on uh, Twitter, every, you should and right. put on notifications for him because I, I rarely see him post content that is invaluable to me. He did a document. He has a newsletter, but he did a, a post on uh, his thoughts on various layer ones. I, I agree probably with about 90% of what he says in this, but let's run through this real quick because it's relevant to what we were just talking about, right? So here's his thoughts on Ethereum. Um all eyes are on Ethereum this year and what happened with the merge coming this quarter. Uh, triple halvening. Uh, yearly ETH emissions will go from 4.3% down to 0.43%. And the burning will cause ETH to become deflationary. Increased demand, decreased supply. And then he says, what do you think is going to happen? Layer 2 solutions are heating up. We were just talking about that. Like there are so many Layer 2 things happening and some with unique propositions that are not kind of generic like Polygon, right? So ZK rollups and Starkware are coming. And then he said more and more institutional interest. Hedge funds are risk averse, so they'll stick to mainly Bitcoin and Ethereum. He said the biggest threats to Ethereum are the alt L1s catching up and possible issues and deploy delays with the merge. Uh, and I agree. Like, it could take a hit if there's a problem with the merge, something goes wrong, whatever. So, um, But he does say every exposure needs, every portfolio needs exposure to ETH. Uh, I read a, a piece yesterday about uh, Terra and Luna and UST, um, a, a series of comments in a Twitter thread saying um, that there were some real issues with propping up price and the risk of, of DPEG. But here are DeFi Edge's thoughts. Um, he says, DeFi, uh, Terra has been a shining star in a quarter where everything got wrecked. When the market turns bearish, demand for UST increases. And he says, of course, that's because on Anchor Protocol with UST, you can earn 19.5%, right? Now, I haven't dabbled with UST yet, but um, I think I'm going to have to. Uh, Terra plans to buy and hold $10 billion of Bitcoin. We've talked about that a lot, that that's for its reserves to help defend the peg. Um Alice Finance is an exchange, I believe. Uh, oh, no, Alice Finance is the one that allows people to use it to pay for things. Uh, so it has a real-world use in, uh, of UST. Uh, allows you to pay, use UST to pay for stuff in South Korea. Alice is looking to bring that to the U.S. and the rest of the world. Um, the main risk of sustainability is the sustainability of the 19.5% yield reserves. And he said they're addressing this with semi-dynamic rates. Um, the entire ecosystem, though, the entire chain, he's right, hinges on whether UST gets adopted. He said he's bullish on a destabilized, a decentralized stablecoin uh, and how they're moving to real-world real adoption. Even if the protocol lowers, Anchor lowers to 15% APY, he's still parking his stable coins there. Um, so it's good. Um, Avalanche, he said there's significant momentum after the Avalanche Summit. DeFi Kingdoms has launched its own subnet. Um, it's the first major test of subnets. Other games are coming. Basically, he thinks that gaming is going to be huge on Avalanche subnets because it gives games control. We've talked about that in the last week. Um, Liquid stock staking, uh, this launched a few weeks back, and so un unlocking more liquidity to the system. Platypus Finance, which I have a little bit in, um, is also growing rapidly and kind of becoming the convex CDX of Avalanche. Um, and then Trader Joe Tokenomics, largest dex on AVAX, has finished upgrading their tokenomics. He says the main competition for them is other layer ones. Um, and he said um, we saw significant money leave the ecosystem in January for FTM in anticipation of solidly. Uh, so for Phantom, he says Phantom is the hottest layer one into quarter one, but 
uh, because of Solidly, but then FTM took a beating. We all know kind of what happened with uh, Solidly and Andre leaving and yada, yada, yada. But he says it's the most undervalued chain by far, market cap to TVL ratio of 0.42, not 0.41. He says it's still DeFi's favorite place to be a DGEN. While Kanye will be missed, there are plenty of developers building nothing to worry about. Uh, The main narrative playing out in an FTM war the wars for governance tokens such as spirit and beats so that's uh, beethoven and spirit swap are both kind of battling it out uh for their governance token models uh spirit swap has a very, one very similar to cvx etc and then he brings up harry Yi launching felix exchange which is basically a branded version of binance with only uh phantom coins on it you know fuck harry Yi and whatever the fuck he's building can't be trusted as far as I'm concerned. So, um, and then he said, FTM just announced a $480 million grant program. And this is for large and small projects. They're using Gitcoin for it. I saw this yesterday and you know, all those things always uh, stir interest and get people moving over. So excited to see that they're doing this. I'm going to take a deeper look at that one, the new program later today, Cosmos. So, you know, after I read this article, I, I dove a little deeper into Cosmos. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But I actually, I understood that Cosmos had this um, layer that allowed um, cross-chain transaction capabilities. But what I didn't, and, and he talks about this in the context of how bridges are getting hacked and Vitalik saying that bridges are dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. But what I didn't know was that Terra Luna, ThorChain, Kronos, and Binance are all uh uh built on top of cosmos uh as a layer zero and i had no idea that binance was built nor that thorchain was built on cosmos um so i was kind of shocked by that um he calls it it's the european union of uh of the different l1s and i i really had no idea that cosmos was such an important layer underneath there but what's interesting is i went and looked at cosmos uh, a little bit more and i've looked at their website before but like they have this entire process, Joe, that you could come in here and essentially use this app they have called Stargate and launch your own blockchain, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, control all the functions of it, set it up, get it going, build it out. So I I really want to take a look or deeper look in them. I want to look at Adam more deeply. I haven't been looking at the price action on that, but you know, that there's a lot of power when you're the one powering all of these other chains. Now the question becomes whether the value re- returns back to Atom and back to Cosmos from all these chains being run on it? Or is it just essentially this thing that everything is getting run on and there's no value back to people that are invested in Cosmos itself? And I I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, Harmony One, which I have done zero with. um, But what I didn't know was that uh, DeFi Kingdoms is 55% of the TVL of Harmony One and DeFi Kingdoms is moving to a subnet on Avalanche. So I think they're going to take a pretty big hit uh, on that. But he does say that it is the fastest and cheapest chain uh, out there. And he still thinks that there's a lot of GameFi opportunity and there are games coming out on it. Uh, Defira, Mars Colony, Cosmic Universe, and Freyala. Anyway, uh, he sees Harmony One as a, uh, as a as a good game by play. Uh, I'll take a look at it, but there's so much to look at these days. I doubt I'm ever going to become uh, much on on uh, Harmony. BNB says I don't pay a, a attention to BNB, but you can't fade CZ. Owning the number one exchange in the world is quite the moat. 
I agree. Um, and that's where all of those retail traders that BNB, uh, BSC has came from, right? They all were Binance users and they hop over to BSC. They can transfer their tokens back and forth between the exchange and BSC. It makes total sense, and I frankly don't think Binance Smart Chain is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, he's he's bearish on Solana. He said because the TVL has taken a has had a tanking, and uh, he thinks it's overvalued compared to other L1s. Matic, he's bearish, and he's bearish because he thinks true L2s like Starkware are coming. This is one of the points I disagree with him. I'm not bearish at all on Matic. I'm bullish on Matic. And I'm, I'm a little surprised because he's such a smart guy that he, in making that comment, he doesn't take into account that uh, Matic has true L2s already within their ecosystem through acquisition and building it. So beyond kind of the side chain argument for, for what Matic has now on the proof of stake network, there are actual true L2s in their network being built upon, having partnerships with, uh, including EY. So I absolutely disagree with his assessment on Matic. But, you know, everyone has their own uh, uh, point of view. Kronos, which is crypto.com, um, he says they know how to get eyeballs to their product. TVL has been steadily going up, even in a bearish environment. Thorchain, bullish. It's one I still want to go take a bigger look at because um, I think these uh, cross-chain, non-EVM, uh, uh, capabilities of Thorchain are, are important. Being able to swap Bitcoin over to Ethereum and other chains is really cool. Um, now that I know, though, that Cosmos is behind that, I want to take a deeper look. Uh, Polkadot, he says, I don't pay much attention to them. My attention is on Cos Cosmos as my layer zero of choice. And then C uh, Cardano uh, 5 LOL emojis. So anyway, good piece. I'll post it in the show notes. Uh, some really good assessments of kind of what's going on with these layer ones. I disagree with a couple of things, but overall, uh, I, I like what he's, I like what he's doing there. Uh, I like most of what he had to say there. So any thoughts? Yeah, it's very, no, I thought it was good stuff. I mean, Harmony One, I didn't, there was a lot of talk about Harmony One somewhere um, back last summer. Right. Um, when, you know, everybody's, we were rolling through all those different L1s and L2s. Um, and it definitely talked about Cosmos as layer zero. Right. Um, in the past. But I didn't really, I think, God damn it. I think what got it going was that, um, you know, once everything started cycling through all the different chains and it kept coming back to Cosmos a couple of times, I think that's what got it some traction. Yeah. And we're hearing about it and hearing about it again and hearing about it again and other ones floating around in there. But again, I, uh, this, your guy was talking about um, that near and I think game five. Um, I think in the end, it's going to have to come down to the application. Right. You know, that, oops. can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. It's going to have to come down to the application versus just the, um, the infrastructure. I just don't, that's kind of what, what I'm seeing. Um, looking at dot-com analogs and looking at um, 2018 analogs, um, that <clears throat> you know, something has to really be doing something. I mean, it is. It's starting to. Right. Um, that's what I'm kind of curious to see. Because to me, there's not a big technical differentiation. I mean, obviously, if you can solve the trilemma, yeah, it's like that's Algorand. Don't forget yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's like lightweight water. They man. just can't solve the acquire users problem. 
Yeah. Chuck um, had some skepticism on our Ethereum take. He said, I think Ethereum disappears under multiple layers of other services to make it work to the point that you have to question the long-term value of ETH too. Uh, it's got so many flaws right now. And look, I think, I, I think there's some validity to that argument that with layer twos and other layer ones, even with layer twos, potentially Ethereum could become just a storage <laughs> network, right? It, it just becomes like Bitcoin and is just storing the transaction data on the blockchain. But because of all the layer twos that get built on top of it, the Ethereum token itself isn't going to have a lot of value. And and that's not, I, I don't disagree with that argument that that potentially could happen, but I think we have a long ways to go before that happens. I think we cross 10,000 before that happens, because I think there are so many things being built on it the deflationary nature of it's going to make it actually increase in value, which will attract more people to it. And the decrease in the cost of transactions uh, as the upgrade occurs is going to make a huge difference to people actually transacting on it. Currently, well, in recent history, the only people really doing anything in the Ethereum protocols are big giant institutional players. Well, I think they will still do things directly on the Ethereum protocol because they'll be worried about layer twos. And at the same time, um, they will have a lot more smaller retail traders willing to trade and do investments on Ethereum because the fees will have dropped. So we'll see. Anyway, he also said BTC is just digital precious metal. And I think that's a great way to say it. So, yeah. Um, okay. So you remember the other day we were talking about waves and that massive yes, increase, do. that massive increase in price. This is why I love Twitter, because there are so many big fucking brain people much smarter than me to do this kind of research. And I'm uh, I, I, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it um, that people do this. So I read this tweet. Waves is the biggest Ponzi in crypto. It has recklessly engineered price spikes by borrowing USDC at 35% to buy its own token. Continuous Waves market cap growth is needed to keep the system stable. Waves will eventually crash and USDN will break with it. You're on notice. Basically what he's saying is the founders of Waves have been propping up the price and the stability of their stablecoin and the price of Waves by taking waves, borrowing it against the only lending protocol called Vire that exists on the waves chain, borrowing against it for USDC, taking the USDC, let me make sure I get this trip right because I don't want to fuck up the the, the the round trip on this right because he, he breaks it down here. Uh, okay. Uh, where is it? So here's the flow. USDC, he deposits US, they take USDC in, USDN being generated, emitted on the chain, and they deposit it on buyers. They borrow USDC on buyers because they can't do anything with USDN anywhere else but waves. And nobody's using it for anything, and there's no liquidity anywhere else, right? That's the basic argument. They transfer the USDC to Binance, and then they use the USDC to buy waves to bump the price right? Then they convert the waves to USDN and start the whole process over again. And the bottom line of what he's saying is, is that when, when this stops working, this entire thing is going to collapse, right? Yeah, because what he's, like a... yeah. So they're basically propping this thing up. Now, 
I am sure that they're propping it up because they're launching EVM capability. They're launching all these other functionalities, the things we talked about in the show when we talked about waves. And I, I still am mad at myself for not buying some waves and taking that big ass 111% run up it did since we talked about it. I, I looked it up. We talked about it on March 10th from March 10th to the other day when it had the end of its big spike, that was 111% from that day when I should have bought it when I was talking about it. So uh, whatever that was, two and a half weeks. Um, but obviously for me, this would not be a long-term hold based on uh, the information here. He he got asked later on in the in the replies for him to um, post the uh, proof on Etherscan, et cetera, and he did post that. But bottom line is there's no organic activity. There's not a lot happening. When I was remarking at all that TVL, that's all been generated by the – the founders of the protocol um, generating so the TV. What Brad's saying is, if you've got anything in this deal, you might want to think about. Yeah, you do want to think about your timing. That's for <laughs> goddamn sure. Yeah, you might want to pick up the pace there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I I think you know it's interesting because I did read through a lot when we were talking about it that day in terms of what they're building and what's coming for it, and so. Uh, for me, it's like, wow, there's a lot of potential there, right? It's really fast, has um, a, a lot of fast transaction capability. It's going to have EVM compatibility. You know, there's a lot of things that could be good about it. Um, but this kind of artificial, uh, you know, basically they've got it on life support and they're just pumping up the, injecting it with adrenal adrenaline every day um, is a little well, they're scary. Yeah, they're essentially printing up their own USDC. Correct. Without collateral. And then trading that on another exchange. I mean, those yeah. are supposed to be closed loop exchanges, so you can't do that. No, but they're um, not. They're doing it on their own exchange, on their own lending protocol, and then moving it over, right? So, yeah, yeah it's it's it feels very sleazy, Joe. It does. It has the, you know, as we usually say about five minutes after this, damn, I should have caught that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is everything I have for today, Joe. Did you have anything you want to add? I got a one o'clock call anyway, so I got a bolt. No, no, I was, I'm good. I, um, I just, just stuff I was going to do, I just tossed into your conversations as we were going. So it just makes cool. it more lively. And, um, and I just haven't seen anything really super, super exciting yet that I want to like dig into. I, I am tempted to talk more about Terra going forward. So there's a lot of talk about that. Yep. But, you know, where are the yields? I'll start looking. This is a weekend, right? It's Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So so maybe Monday I'll have some, you know, just do a quick update through all the yield farms that we've done historically and just see yeah, what's going on there. Yeah, we should go back there. to some so, of that. Because they're still delivering. Um, just the reward token hasn't held price up. So, right. so it's a question of do you have more or less? I think you're still ahead, but it requires the next comeback. So things like that. We just need to start thinking about um you know, and thinking about what the next, you know, what the next wave is going to be, you know, where, cause I mean, I didn't really see the 2021 stuff going as big as it did. Right. Kind of came out of me in nowhere. So I, th what I'm getting at is I think that there's plenty more of those to come. Um, if you, if everybody's plays it smart. Absolutely, dude. All right, man. So All hey, right, buddy, you, have a good one. Have a good weekend too. All right. See you. You too. Thanks. Thanks Bye, everybody, everybody for listening and watching. We love you. We appreciate you. Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app, and uh, subscribe, like, and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And if, at any time you want to 
give us some ideas or thoughts or feedback. It's B05Crypto on Twitter and Telegram. Feel free to reach out. My, uh, my DMs are open. Talk to you later. Be safe. Be happy.